Fever Fever is a band I've been wanting to meet for quite a while. Drew Murphan, guitarist, vocalist of the band, is here for a chat about their music. Drew, great to have you. Thanks for having me. I heard a story that the band members of Fever Fever got together even before they were musicians. You got to explain that story. <laughs> um, yeah, we uh, basically, Wes and I, uh, the other guitarist, um, we met in high school and both just really liked music and, and really connected with it. Um, and even though we didn't play any instruments, we wanted to be more a part of it and more like intimate with how music affects our lives. So we joined a band or made a band together, even though we didn't know how to play anything. And uh, kind of went from there. We just started writing songs with what we thought sounded good and started learning a little bit as we were going. And it really uh, obviously was a, a long way <laughs> a long way from where we're at now, but yeah. Wouldn't it have just been simpler for you guys to form like a baseball team or pick up basketball? Oh, yes. It would have been a lot easier for us to do that, but that's just not uh, not the calling we had. So <laughs> The band's been around for quite a while. What was it, 2005? Yes, October in 2005. So uh, October of this year will be 10 years for Wes and I playing together. Does that make you feel old? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But luckily we started in high school, so if it was, you know, a college band and it was 10 years, then it'd be like, uh, getting old now. Well, how has the music of Fever Fever changed since those days? Um, well, we've gone through many different weird uh <laughs> music genres. Um, we started off just kind of all over the place. We didn't really have a sound, so our first like CD that we did when we weren't even technically Fever Fever yet. We were just kind of a project that we were working on was anything from like classic rock to like jazz-ish stuff. And um, uh, we were just exploring what we liked. And then we got into uh, this weird phase of liking disco and writing super <laughs> disco-y stuff. And we did the whole like the whole thing, like for shows we dressed up and like, we went into like thrift stores and found any like old seventies, like or late sixties, early seventies disco stuff we could find. And like dressed up to shows like that. And we're, we're literally going all out disco, um, which was awful. And uh, then well, we, um, did you do the disco ball and all of that too? We didn't have it on stage, but we, no joke, we had a disco ball hanging from our merch stand <laughs> for a while, yeah. And um, so it was all out disco. And and that actually, as funny as that is and as ridiculous as it was, it kind of transitioned us into like a little bit more poppier stuff because we weren't really writing any poppy stuff. And that was kind of our our little transition into writing stuff that was like a, had a little bit more pop, catchy feel to it. It was just on the extreme of seventies disco. So once we once we moved on from that into like, you know, a more like alternative vein, um, it really helped like when we we wanted to be meaningful and write really respectable, um, orchestrated stuff while at the same time really enjoyed just a good catchy tune, you know. So we've kind of been all over the place as far as as far as music's changed. So from classic rock, jazzy stuff, to disco, to more classic rock, to alternative rock. It's just been, yeah. <laughs> well, you guys went for another stretch a couple of years back. You did an acoustic EP, Native Color. Yes, yeah. Which is still a big part of our sound also, which um, 
that was one of the more fun things for us to do. And it's a lot of fun for us to do the acoustic stuff live. But that's not your natural inclination to go that route. Um, it's kind of in between. Like when we did the acoustic album, we were really trying to, I guess, add in some of the instruments that we had been messing with um, over the years because we, you know, we had a, a song, Clouds Catch Fire, that was on our acoustic EP. And um, when we wrote it, we were up in the mountains in New York. Like we were just doing some charity work and. All we had was a bamboo flute and a djembe drum and a, some sleigh bells, and that's literally all we had. And then we found uh, this really old kid's Walmart guitar <laughs> to play. And we, when we were up in the mountains, like there was the this sunset, and it was really beautiful. And we just all felt like it needed a song. We wanted to write a song about where we were and the experience we were having. So those are the only instruments we had. So we rolled with it, and um, it was kind of you know other than the guitar, uh, some bizarre instruments to try to write a song with, but we really enjoyed it. And we had kept doing that. We were writing acoustic songs like while we were on the road. And so we only had certain instruments here and there um, to write with. And so when we did the acoustic EP, we wanted to we wanted to share that part of us with everyone, that we are writing these songs on the road and we're messing with these instruments and they're becoming a part of us and how we write. And so now I feel like when we're writing our full stuff, it's kind of infiltrating to where like, even though it's not acoustic, the things that we love to do acoustic are infiltrating our like full band set and recording. But you guys carry on with that now, like Wes, you guys classify him as a multi-instrumentalist and that's certainly the case. Do you want to describe some of the stuff that he uses? <laughs> yeah. Wes and Andrew both have become major multi-instrumentalists for us, which is, which is awesome. But Wes, um, Wes live, he'll play flute, uh, harmonium, electric guitar or acoustic, depending on you know what show we're doing, and mandolin, which you would think would be chaotic, but we've tried to set it up in a way where it's uh, it it works, it's smooth, and it's just hard to tell until you actually see it that it's not like this chaotic. Like we just want to use random as many instruments as we can just for the sake of it. Like they all, we we think they all fit and make sense with what we're doing. Um, and then Andrew actually, along with Wes, Andrew plays upright bass vibraphone he has to jump on harmonium for a few songs um so they're kind of like switching around and he's playing multiple instruments andrew and i both play drums um along with zach for some of our live shows um so we're all switching around a lot and it it's just fun you know and it 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 makes sense to us and i've seen your live show and you guys do there's a lot happening on stage as we watch you play Mm, yeah for sure Fever Fever's broken the trend of staying independent. You guys have joined up with Slow Speak Records. But yes. what drew the band into signing with a label? Um, I think there's this, like you said, there's this trend of trying to stay independent because the record labels are these evil entities that are trying to take as much money from you as possible. And you know what I mean? Like they don't care about you. And I think that is true for some companies that are out there that where they're not really caring about the musicians or the music that much but there are definitely record labels like slow speak and there are others out there you know not just slow speak that care about music and care about musicians and i think that you can become a better musician a better artist a better um i guess professional when you have like another source on your team you know that's giving you advice and giving you 
um, support and believes in what you're doing. I think it's when you team up with somebody that doesn't believe in what you're doing or that is trying to just pull something out of you that you didn't want to do in the first place, you know, some sort of music sound or, or marketability or something like that. Um, that's when it becomes a bad thing. But to us, we weren't going to just have this very black and white general concept that all record labels are evil, that all people that are on that side of the industry are bad for musicians and for bands, um, because they're not. And slow speak isn't for us. And there's a lot of labels out there that aren't for their bands. Slow speak itself is an indie label. And so even though they are a record label, which makes us not an indie band, slow speak in and of itself has this understanding and concept of what it's like to be people trying to team up together to make something good happen, you know, and it's not just like this gigantic entity um, of workers and managers and, and uh, CEOs and stuff like that, that don't know each other and aren't really working together. And so it, it felt a lot different to us to sign with them as opposed to signing with like a, a major group um, or, or other record labels that are out there. Of course, the head man for Slow Speak is Davey Basinger of Bleach, so obviously yeah. he's got really extensive musical background. Yeah. But seriously, are there any Bleach fans in Fever Fever? <laughs> Wes and I both are very big Bleach fans, so I'm not sure about Andrew and Zach. Um, I know that Zach always jokes around with Davey about um, <laughs> not being able to stand it, even though we all know he loves it. Um yeah, it's, I mean, not only for the music and just that they have that, like, I don't know, kind of fingerprint in our lives, you know, when Wes and I were kids, we were, you know, they were touring around and, and we saw bands like Reliant K opening for them. And uh, I think even like Fallout Boy did some shows with them and stuff like that um, before they blew up. And it's pretty crazy to get to work with him to have like somebody who had an impact on you know other bands that are around and on the industry and are still having an impact on the industry because a lot of those guys play for other really big bands now and davies help you know running slow speak and um yeah it's been awesome and we are definitely fans of them not even just in music but also just in people and who they are they're just legit guys and uh anybody that meets them is a really blessed lucky person <laughs> cool well why don't we get back to your music Fever Fever released Aftermath last fall. Man, that is a really incredibly catchy album. Thank you. <laughs> what was the songwriting process like? Are all of you involved in that? Yeah, absolutely. We're all involved. Um, and it's kind of a, I, you know, I'm not sure how other bands do it because Wes and I just worked together for so long and we've just been doing this. But for us, the process was kind of, it was kind of all over the place. It ended up being a good thing because we, sat down with everything and tried to bring it together like there was a there's a bunch of songs that like i had been writing just on my own so like they started off with like vocal melody and like you know i had almost had seen the song all the way through except for some of the extra producing and stuff on the tail end of it like you know guitar riffs and things like that um so the few of the songs were written that way whereas some of the other songs were literally written with all of us there from the start, just like, all right, let's write a song. Does anybody have any ideas that they've been messing with, you know, and then we'll all be there from the very beginning to the very end. And it, you get a, a way different um, result in the end, you know, because of the way that it started and who was involved. Um, and then on top of those two processes, 
there was a few songs where Wes and Zach, uh, or actually Wes and Vince, also our old bass player um, and our old drummer, they would write a song. Because this whole process started when we had two other guys in the band also. And uh, so they would start writing a song and they'd have all this music, but they'd have no vocal melody and they'd have, you know what I mean? Like the, where the song was going was still kind of in question. So I would jump in and write a vocal melody to it and write some lyrics and stuff like that. So we kind of had three different processes happening at once for one album, but we're also similar in what we want the end like feel to be that even though the song itself is way different, we feel like they pulled together really well um, and, and made a good record. So yeah, there, there was a uh, a lot of uh, <laughs> co-writing and um, and different processes used. Well, those different processes also involved having three producers. I mean, I thought that would you know just be crazy. <laughs> I always wonder when a band does that. When you've got multiple producers, how do you get a cohesive sound? Well, um, just full honesty, it was not easy. <laughs> and it was it was a struggle and but it was good um because obviously all three guys had a different kind of like uh sound and and they're all obviously really good so basically in the end it came down to mixing and what things we wanted to uh to come together and i think it also helped that we also on top of three producers we produce as we write a lot also so a lot of those extra sounds that you're hearing are things that we added in from the beginning you know like we we started it with those like little nuanced sounds and stuff like that so like that definitely helped um so mixing wise it was more of trying to get all of the eq to sound similar and the reverb and like um things like that but we were very clear with all three producers from the beginning like what type of sound we liked what we were going for here's all of our like things that we've been working on to put into the songs. Um, and so it took, it took a long time to get all of the mixes and all of the songs to sound similar enough for us to feel comfortable to put out there. Um, but uh, that was uh, mainly a mixing point because like I said, luckily all three guys are so good and could understand what we were going for and what we liked to where the actual types of producing that we were doing were the same, um, even though we used three different guys. And they are good producers. I mean, yeah. you had Mark Townsend. I mean, he's worked with everybody. You know, yeah. Reliant K, The Wedding, The O.C. Supertones. You mm -hmm. know, Chad Howitt, of course, I know him better from his band, Paper Root, but I know right. that he's doing a lot of producing. Mm -hmm. But then you also had Kyle Monroe, and I don't really know him. Yeah, Kyle, uh, Kyle was previously in uh, the band Golden Youth, who is on Slow Speak Records. Um, and now he's uh, writing with Eden Speak and working on some side stuff. But his main thing right now is engineering and mixing and, and producing. Um, yeah, he doesn't have a name yet, but he is really, really good. And I would not be surprised at all. I, I really think that he's going to make a name for himself in the industry um, as far as a producer goes. He just did a really good job. And it was kind of funny because, like you said, we, we tracked with Mark and Chad. And both are absolutely incredible. And the songs that they did ended up being incredible. It's just funny to me that out of all of those, like the first single that we ended up putting out was hypnotized, which is a song that Kyle did. And Kyle's like kind of the unknown huh. producer that was working on it out of the three. Um, so it, uh, not that the other ones had anything less. It was just, that's the one that we ended up going with. And, um, so yeah, I'm really happy that it worked out and that he was able to work on it with us. 
Well, I brought up the point earlier about it having a really smooth, polished sound, meaning aftermath the album. Mm-hmm. You know, even with all the different instruments, does this stretch your sound having the different instruments? Do you just like the diversity? Absolutely. Um, and and like I said, it it came from from a very organic uh, need for the instrument. It wasn't like we were just trying to force them in there. And so um, I feel like even though it's keeping it diverse, it's not just random. To me, it doesn't feel random when you're listening to the song, you know, that it's just like out of left field. Like you're like, we just wanted to put a flute in there and so a bamboo flute. So we did, and it doesn't make any sense. Um, It's just a unique thing that happened to us that we didn't try to force. And I think that it gives us that unique, diverse sound um, and kind of takes it to a different place than where a lot of people are at. The antidote is speaking with Drew from Fever Fever. The Aftermath album, it's almost without exception that the lyrics are focused on love. And they're all typically positive love songs, you know, or at least love songs where if there's a conflict, it gets resolved at the end. Mm-hmm. It almost makes me wonder if you guys haven't had any negative relationships. <laughs> well, you got to be honest here. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, we have definitely had negative relationships. Um, I think the point of Aftermath uh, for us was uh, kind of the the overall concept is that your life, everybody's life, has these circular development of things breaking down in your life. You have what feel like horrible experiences, but uh they end up giving you the opportunity to rebuild and to uh, make a positive thing out of it. And I think we all try to make that a life goal for ourselves individually, um, just as people outside of music and, and just in everyday life. Um, we really wanted to, to portray that. And so like Aftermath, the song, the first track on the album, you know, that's all about that and Collapse, the last song on the album. And the reason that those are first and last on, the, on it is because we want to portray that it's an ongoing process throughout life, this circular kind of thing of your life feels like it's being like torn apart sometimes. And then, but you can take that opportunity to like rebuild it back up, figure out what you actually do believe about certain things and how you feel about certain people and things like that. And you can become like better because of it. Um, so that's why a lot of them have like a positive uh, spin on them. And they are about love because that's, that's life. You know, that's our our capability as human beings is to love each other and hate each other. And everything is, is, uh, you know, different outlets of that. And so we just really felt like that was, that was a good route to go with the album. That's where the lyrics were going naturally. And that's where our songs felt like they were going, they're all build up songs and they're all, you know, felt encouraging to us musically. So we wanted to have that as the main focus. And with those positive love songs, have you been asked to play anybody's wedding yet? <laughs> <laughs> we are asked more than you would think. Oh. Not weddings and uh, weddings and, and birthdays and things like that. You'll get messages like you know uh, from people just like, hey, like how much do you guys charge for like this like private event? And uh, yeah, so we do get asked for that. We've actually played a few too, especially for friends and stuff, um, which has been really fun. And because uh, they, you know, they'll have like their few favorite songs on the album that they think are good for weddings. And it's funny because sometimes I'll be at a wedding, I'll just be there not playing. 
and um, they're using one of our songs for like something in the ceremony, and it's so awkward. I mean, I'm glad that they're using it. I love it, but it's like so awkward just sitting there, like, oh man, this is like, uh, you know, this is a. Uh, I guess getting real now, you know, that you're like watching these two people commit their lives to each other and they're using like your, like one of your songs, like while they're doing it. So <laughs> yeah, we have definitely had things like that happen. Well, when fever fever comes to do a follow-up to aftermath, would you guys go to a change in sound or topics or have you pretty well set the trend? Um, I think, I think as far as our sound goes, I think that, that we are comfortable where we are and I'm sure it will develop even more. I'd, I'd like to say that it'll be more full, more true to what we're feeling and not less. Um, so it might be a little bit different musically, but you know, not, I guess not in a way where you're like switching genres or like when bands say they're going to go more this direction for an album. Like, I don't think we have any plans to change direction musically. Um, cause I, I think that we're really happy with where we're at and, and where it'll go. I think lyrically, um, we're very visual and storytellers. And so I'm sure the content will be different um, because the story will be different. You know, like the aspect of life that we want to kind of uh, make a commentary on is, is going to be different for the next one. And we've been writing a little bit here and there. Um, and uh, some of the stuff that, that I've been working on, I know individually has been a little bit darker Um so I think that there will be a little bit different dynamic of the next album as far as like how much of it is like um, uplifting and how much of it is making an emphasis on sometimes there are parts in your life that just are dark, you know. Um, and the hard part for us is, or for me specifically lyrically, is that you want to be true to like the experiences that you have in life that there are times when you, that are dark and that you are um, kind of lost feeling. But you also don't want to lift those moments up, which I feel like people it's tempting to do, like to find a song where like you're feeling dark. And so you listen to a dark song, like, because you connect with it, but then you take that almost a step further and you're almost like forgetting that you, at this point you need to like, it's good to dwell in it and to reflect on that time. But at some point you need to work your way out. And so I think that we'll never want to go to a place that's so dark to where it feels like almost hopelessness, you know, because that's, I don't think any of us really buy into that, that we're all very hopeful people. So, um, yeah, it'll be a little bit different direction, but. But I would think as an artist that you're always one to sort of be remaining honest to yourself. Yeah. Very, because yeah. so much lyrical content seems to be so artificial. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and that's, that's what I mean. That's the, kind of the struggle is, those things just aren't black and white, you know? So like you want to stay true to these times that are super down, but at the same time, you also need to stay true to when you're in those moments, like how do you find your way out? Like what are the things to look forward to? What are the things to be hopeful for to get you out of those moments? And, um, I mean, regardless of what the topic is or what we're doing, like that's always going to be like a underlying factor or a belief in, in our music. When you were speaking about, you know, the songwriting, does this mean you've got another project in the works? Um, as of right now, our project that we're working on is an acoustic EP. Um, it might end up being more than an EP. We're not sure yet. Um, that's going to be uh, a compilation of hopefully a few new songs and um, some redone acoustic songs from Aftermath. And 
we're uh, we're just kind of having fun with it right now. We haven't set a release date or anything like that because we just want to we just want to have fun with it and and see where it goes and not feel rushed or stressed about anything. So yeah, that's the project we're working on right now. We're, we're hopefully going to release an instrumental also, um, uh, a full instrumental album uh, after the acoustic, because uh, sometimes just words take away more than they give, you know? And so we're going to do uh, a whole album kind of like as tribute to that concept. And um, so, yeah, we have a few projects coming up that we're working on, um, on top of the fact that we are writing, uh, you know, slowly for, for a next full length album. So, well, that instrumental, it means they can just do karaoke then. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, before I let you go, Drew, you've got to give us an odd fact about fever, fever. An odd fact. Mm. Okay, so one odd fact about us is that we we love messing with each other and people as far as pranks go. And um, actually, recently, within the last year, we pulled this horrible prank on Davey. It, it was horrible and amazing all at the same time. And um, Davey, uh, as in our, the uh, label president, and... Um, Basically, we were on tour, um, and we decided that we, in every gas station that we pulled into, because it was going to be all over, you know, the country, the different states, and and so, in every gas station we pulled into, we wrote on the wall, if there was, like, graffiti everywhere, we would write on the wall, please send pictures of your poop, too, and then wrote Davy's number down <laughs> underneath it. <laughs> and so... We did that for like several tours, like all year. And we didn't hear anything. So we were kind of bummed out. Like, we don't even know if it's working. It's probably not working. People are just ignoring it, whatever. And then we sit down with the um, artist director um, or the art director uh, for Slow Speak, uh, Caitlin. We were just all talking about funny pranks that we've done to each other and like, you know, in the band and things that like she was witnessing, like the Slow Speak family doing to each other. Well, we started telling her about this prank that we were doing to Davey that we were bummed that it wasn't working. We started describing what we were doing for the prank. <laughs> and Caitlin, she just started laughing like because apparently Davey had been getting hundreds and hundreds of pictures from people like <laughs> over the last year and had no idea who it was and was trying to figure out who it was. But he wasn't like saying anything to anybody because he like was trying to figure it out. And um one there'd be people sending him pictures and then there'd be people like texting him saying that you're sick man like why would you ever want pictures of this like <laughs> totally like just like thinking that he's a freak and um our goal was to do it and not tell him until he changed his number until he got so many pictures to where he would actually have to change his cell phone number but we decided to tell him a little bit earlier than that and um uh, it was just hilarious so that's probably one of the oddest things that you can do to people is have people send pictures of that to them. Wow, and I thought I had friends with peculiar sense of humor, but that takes it. Yeah. But he still kept you. He hasn't tossed you out of slow speak. Not, uh, not as far as we know. I mean, we're still under contract, I think, so he hasn't gotten too upset with us, I guess. <laughs> well, you got to tell us how to find Fever Fever online. Absolutely. Um, if you go to feverfeverband.com, you can find all of our social networking links. We're on Facebook, 
Twitter, Instagram, um, any social media thing that you can think of, we're on uh, YouTube, Vimeo, all that stuff. So, but if you go to feverfeverband.com, all of our links are set up there. Um, really easy way to find us and connect with us. Well, Drew, thanks so much for coming on The Antidote. It's been really great meeting with you. Yeah, thanks for having me.